Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. I'm excited. Hey, I wore the shirt you got for me. Trophy husband. Do y'all see that? It's hard. Guys, how many of y'all know it's hard to be a trophy husband? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. I see some trophy husbands out there. It's really difficult. So I wore it just for you, honey. So first thing I want to do <laughs> is I want to welcome all of our online viewers and, of course, everybody in here. Uh, here's who we got watching online. New Jersey. There's a lot more a than lot. normal. You know why. A lot. They, they heard. heard about this. What are we talking about? Sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about you and me. All right, we got New Jersey, Tennessee, Let's Georgia, Virginia, sex. South Carolina, North Carolina, Ohio, Michigan, Montana, Rhode Island, Florida, Pennsylvania, Texas, Missouri, Jamaica, Jamaica El Salvador. Salvador, and Washington State. And our children are watching online today. My daughter moved out today. Officially, we are empty nesters now, aren't we? So we sad? ran around the house naked this Thank morning. So it was awesome. Thank Just getting, some, getting ready for the service. I'm trying to get daps from oh, you. Oh, sorry, sorry. So they're they're watching online as she loaded up the car. She told us she'd be watching the 9:30. So you need to pay attention. Pay today. attention. Is this how pay you attention. got here? <laughs> so okay. So I'm glad we are in a room filled with adults. Now, we believe that it is good and necessary that your teenagers are in here. So if we have teenagers in here, you need to be in here. This is something you need to hear. The world has put the wrong spin on sex and relationships. And the church's job is to course correct and tell you what God has to say. If you're nervous and you're squirming in your seat and you're uncomfortable, it's because you've adapted what the world has to say. That's right. Because God made sex and he made it beautiful and it is between a man and, it's good. and a woman Amen. who are married. That's yes. right. That's right. That's All right. right. All right. 
So first thing um, that I want to say is that neither Troy nor I grew up in healthy homes and healthy households. That was not something that happened for us. So when we got married, you know, here's the thing. We had to learn all this stuff. You know, we really had to work on it. It was was a challenge. It was really a challenge, you know, just to make sure that we... Because sometimes it's so uh, it's so much harder to unlearn than it is to learn, yeah. and so when you when you've had this perspective, this life, this thing that you've been dealing with for your whole life, and then you get married. She yeah. got she was twenty when we got married. I was twenty two, I think twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, twenty three. I'm trying to be younger every year. You know, I'll be fifty three this year. So anyway, you know, it's it's really. Um, we had to unlearn a lot of stuff as we learned a lot of stuff. And sadly, we, we, this what we're sharing today, honestly, even in the church we came out of, we didn't learn a lot of this. So we had yeah. to actually dig into the word of God and, and discover yeah, this. Yeah, we didn't learn this stuff, so it's so important for us that we make sure that we give this to you. Um, between my mother and father, eight marriages. Um, his mom was a drug dealer. Both of our dads died of alcoholism. So we didn't come from healthy families. We didn't come from healthy relationships. Both of us were conceived out of wedlock. Um, so there is a lot of times people will say things to us. They will say things like, hey, um, I'm having marriage problems. And the first thing in my head is like, you're not having marriage problems. There are problems that each of you brought into the marriage because you weren't whole. So we're gonna talk about that today because I've never seen somebody go into a marriage and stand at the altar and go, you know what, I'm hoping in a few years that my marriage fails. But statistically, that's what's happening. The average first marriage that ends in divorce is seven years. Seven years. And I wrote this down, the median age of the first marriage for, in men is around 26 years old, and women, 25. The average of divorce in men, first marriages, is the age 30, and women, 29. That lets me know there are some gaps and some problems and some things that we aren't seeing, we're not equipped, we don't have the tools, and so we want to make sure that we do that, because I think a lot of the issues are not what happens after you walk down the aisle. It's the things that never got resolved before you walk down the aisle. That's right. That's right. So there's, there's this like parade of choice that keeps people from making a commitment, especially in our world. Modern people culture. are modern, modern culture. It's this parade of choice. You know, I can just do whatever I want. And, and what modern co- culture does, our society right now, is it creates this, this my own belief or my own morality. And so I don't want anybody telling me what to do. You know, so I don't want my parents to tell me what to do. They're just old school. They don't know. They grew up in a non-relevant or the church. They don't want the church to get involved. They don't want anybody. And what ends up happening is, is this is a form of expressive individualism or what it turns into eventually is this moral relativism, which means there's no absolutes. There's no, there's no absolute. There's no standard that anybody lives in. And then here's the problem. So when, when, when that happens, if you challenge my values or my standard, there's something wrong with you because you don't know my experience. You don't know what I've been through. I got my own moral I code. I got my own moral code that I can do. And that, is, that, that will really lead you into a ditch. It'll put you in a place where there's all kinds of problems. And so, um, and, and from the church perspective, what ended up happening is, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago, really around World War II, what ended up happening is people understood what evil was and they understood what sin was. 
But then the church turned the corner and they became so approval addicted that they didn't talk about sin. You know, there's two S words, sex and sin. And what ended up happening is they didn't deal with sin. They didn't talk about the things that people needed to hear because they were concerned that people wouldn't come to church anymore. And now, here's what I believe is happening right now. There is a total shift into a place where churches are really wanting to share the truth and deal with sin to raise the standard. Yeah, I think that's so important. That's why, what is the standard? The standard is the word of God. Bottom line, if the Bible says it, we're gonna do it. And that's where we, that's where we land. So just so you know, maybe you're new to Christianity, you're new to the Bible, maybe you've never read the Bible, don't even know what the Bible is, or maybe you have a problem believing the Bible. Here's the deal. We, this church is built on the truth of God's word. This church, and so we're gonna share the standards that God has, his moral code, what he desires. Because how many know God knows what's best for us, right? So I keep yeah. going, Dave. No, no, no. It, no I'm it's so good glad to be saying. with you today, and you look really good, just wanted to say. We don't get to do this very often, so You guys, we never get to really go to church together because we're always at different campuses. So we were driving into church today. Well, once our, since our daughter took our car and loaded all of her stuff, she works at the Mercedes dealership. She's got this fancy little Mercedes, and we could not figure out how to start her car. <laughs> we felt like, he's like, I am not calling her to figure out, to tell her to start this car. I am not. So we eventually made it to church today. But here, here's the thing, is that the word of God tells you what's holy and unholy. There is no question about what is right and what is wrong when you base your life on the word of God. But what has happened is people have relegated the word of God to some dusty relic in grandma's yeah. attic yeah. that has no power. Or it's and irrelevant. We, it's old. It was written a long time ago. Right. So it, doesn't, it doesn't apply to no me. makes no sense. doesn't yep. apply to me. So I'm going to make my own rules, my own this, my own that in order for me to live by. And then that way, nobody can tell me what's right or wrong. Right, right. That's the world we're living in. And so we've got to make sure that we raise the standard and that we stick by the word of God. But here's the thing that I, I hear a lot of people say. They're not saying it with their mouth. They're saying it by their actions. Here's what they're saying. They're saying, I don't think the word of God works. Now, why do I feel like people are saying that? Because they're not abiding by it. They're doing what they want to do. Now, if you ask them, they would tell you that the word of God works, but they would just change it to, you know, but God understands my situation and why I don't have to follow the word of God at this moment. Because, see, right. I really like this guy, or God understands I've been single a long time, so I can just do what I want. Or, That's right. you know, I got divorced and somebody hurt me, so I get to write what the word of God says about my next relationship but that's not okay. That's right. I love classical music. Here's a great example. I love classical music. I listen to classical music. She doesn't like classical music. She listens to country music. Come on. Pray for it. And so, um, so I love Mozart. I love Beethoven. I, I like to listen to it when I pray, when, I, when I'm praying or when I'm studying. I enjoy it. Um, Mozart wrote some, some beautiful music, and it was perfect in every way. So is it his fault if someone plays it wrong? Okay, so here's what happens. People blame God, they blame the church because someone has played the music wrong. And they think, well, why would I wanna do that when that, that person over there did this and it was like wrong? Like eight so, marriages in my family, yeah, exactly. why would I wanna so, get married? So when, when we see the stats 
are saying a certain thing, why am I gonna get married? Why, why am I gonna, why am I gonna, why don't I just date the way I wanna do it? I'm not gonna make any commitments because here's the deal. God's word is perfect and we're, we're frail human beings. We make mistakes, but that doesn't make the word of God of no effect. It doesn't change the ability to use God's word. So uh, a few years ago, I had gotten a desk from Ikea and I pulled the pieces out, and it looked really easy to put together. I mean, the legs go here, the drawers go here, right? I wasn't there. You weren't there, no. <laughs> and so I started putting it together, and I realized that what seemed so easy by visual, visual observation um, isn't so great if you don't read the instructions. So here I am, ticked off at Ikea, ready to throw the desk. I'm mad at everything. But the real actual issue wasn't the desk. It wasn't the instructions. It was me deciding I could do it on my own without looking at the instructions. So I ended up disassembling more than I was assembling because I simply didn't want to follow the directions. I thought I knew based on my visual observation. That's right. So let's make some things clear here. All right. First of all, marital sex is between one man and one woman. Okay. Just to make that clear, I've got a couple claps. Thank you so much. I think they were golf the claps. It was okay. like a golf clap. And so that's how our body's designed. All you got to do is look at the body. That's how it works. Okay. That's how our bodies works. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to understand that. Now, I mean, let's talk about the science, can well, we? Yeah, well, <laughs> now it's very honoring if someone decides that they want to serve, serve God with their life. Now, that's not for everybody. Some people never get married. Paul never got married. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But he said that's not for everybody. That's a very small percentage of people. So we want to make sure that we put sex in the right context, which we're going to talk about this because I think a lot of uh, people that are unmarried um, kind of have a misconception about sex and, and how they should be involved in those relationships. And so um, here, here's, where, here's where I see it right now. And this is why the enemy is attacking so strongly against marriage between a man and a woman, gender fluidity and all this stuff. You know, people can identify as this is because God made it very clear from the very beginning that the role of sex is to be fruitful and to multiply. Okay, and it's fun too. Enjoyment is also another thing. Uh, exa that God, exactly, yes. but but see what the enemy wants to do is attack the seed. So if he can if he can destroy the seed, if he can destroy the multiplication of it, and let's just face it, two men can't multiply. I don't care. I don't care what Apple says about the emoji. Okay. <laughs> Men right. cannot be pregnant. Men, men can't get pregnant. They can't breastfeed. They can't That's, menstruate. They, they can't menstruate. I wish they could sometimes, though. <laughs> no, Maybe you they'd don't. be a little more understanding. No, you don't. You don't, yes. you don't wish they could menstruate because it's tough. It's tough to deal with. So just Just saying. maybe once. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so there's an attack on this. There's an attack on this. And that's, that's what the enemy's trying to do. So understand that. And that's why there's a pulling away from the word of God. Yeah. And so talk about the covenant and, and just so make, make sure we understand the So today what we're going to do is the things that we're going to say are based on a covenant. Now I want to explain what a covenant is because most of us are familiar with a contract, 
but we don't understand a covenant. And so when we get into marriage, we think that, oh, well, I'm signing a contract, and if it doesn't go the way I want, I'll just sign out, and I'm out of that contract. But that's yeah. not the way that God sees marriage. He sees marriage as a covenant, which is you cannot break a covenant. You see all through the Bible where covenants were established, God made a covenant. And whenever there is a covenant, like when God made a covenant with us, Jesus shed his blood. He made a covenant. You can go all through, whether it's Abraham or Moses. You see all through, there are covenants, the, the Adamic covenant with Adam. You see all throughout, there's always the shedding of blood that is involved in a covenant, which is why when two virgins come together, they are actually making a covenant and they're sealing the covenant by joining together. That's why the hymen is broken. There's a shedding of blood and the, the covenant is instituted. All of this is very specific. So if we understood what we were doing yeah. when we were attaching ourselves to someone else, we wouldn't be so lackadaisical or haphazard about it. We would understand that God takes it very, very seriously when we are enacting a covenant which cannot be broken, which is sealed good. by blood in the very marriage good. relationship. So here, here's what Paul says, and he explains this, all right? So he says this in 1 Corinthians. Now understand he's writing to a church that was struggling sexually. They were having some issues with marriage, dating, all of that. And so he says, now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, and most theologians believe that he was, they were asking about, about marriage, he says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now he's talking about from his own perspective, because he is in service to God. Nevertheless, and he's in jail. Well, yeah. <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, <laughs> that's pretty funny. I don't know where that came from. That wasn't, we didn't pr practice that part of the jail thing. <laughs> nevertheless, all right, let's get back to the Bible. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, okay? Because there's this high sex drive, get a wife. Let each woman have her own husband. Wives get a husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife do does. Do not deprive one another except for, uh, with consent for a time that you may give yourselves the prayer and fasting. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So talk about the two different types of scripts here and let's dig into this. So there's two scripts that are out there right now. There's the <clears throat> cultural one and then there's the Christian one. And they are very vast and they are very different. And some Christians have even bought into this whole modern freedom notion, and it's really starting to infiltrate the church. And so we're saying, no, 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 we're going to stop that. There's this moral ambiguity that's surrounding sex and relationship. And honestly, for many Christians today, people are just kind of adapting some of these things. Well, what does that look like? Some people would say, okay, I, I understand that... Moral rule remains. I understand that there are morals. I understand that um, good and effect is in play and that we should go by the word of God. But, you know, in this area for me right now, I don't really think this applies. I want to be selectively permissive. 
So let me give you a perfect example. There was a, a gentleman years ago um, who was in the church who um, we, we got a phone call because he was in a position of leadership and his wife had passed away. She had had um, a disease and she had passed away and so he was single. And we got a call, hey, I, I see this guy's house over, or his car over at this girl's house a lot. And it stays there until the next day. So Troy and I had a conversation with him and he was like, oh, no, 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 God understands all the years that I sacrificed taking care of my wife. So he, he, uh, he's okay with me having sex with this woman because I love her and my intent is to one day marry her. But God understands because of what I've been through. And Troy said, okay, let me, let me ask you this. Are you basically telling me that God is rewriting the Bible for you? You see, we tend to make excuses for why it's okay in my situation. So how do we get here? How do we get to this place where we just kind of remove that, that idea or that moral code? Well, at the core, I believe it's our responsibility, men. It's us because men have not been leading well in, in the sense of we have objectified women. So it's our job. Um, I know that sounds strong. There is a responsibility that falls on the woman's side, but I believe it is our responsibility to make that change. There's no respect, and we have to treat women like the gift that they are. And when we do that, everything changes. <laughs> Somebody get excited about that. I love it. Okay, so, you know, when it, when it comes to, to men, they, they just, you know, they kind of notch in the belt. How many partners can I have? Uh, pornography, one in four searches on Google is porn. $97 billion industry, and it all came from per men year. per year. So, so let's talk about this, all right? So how, how do I make that change in my dating relationship as a man, and how do I make that change in my marriage? Okay, let's talk about the, the guys that are single for a second. Okay, first of all, if you're a guy, date with purpose. Okay, that means that you're not dating. The right purpose. Right, and, and what I mean by that is you're dating to find a wife. You're not dating just to see how many women you can sleep with. Okay, you're not dating just so you can have sex with whoever you wanna have sex with. That's not the purpose of it. Now, if you're a teenager, you're 14, 15 years, years old, my question to you is, what do you want in a relationship that you can't get out of just being friends? So there's no reason. You're not ready to get married. You're not ready to get married at 14 What's or 15 years old. Okay, so just, just be friends. Okay, it's not ownership. See, that again goes back to this objectivity aspect of things. If you're dating, um, you as the man should be the one who sets the boundaries in the relationship, not the woman. Okay, so that means like, hey, these are our boundaries. I have an apartment. Guess what? We're not going to be alone in my apartment. We're going to make, because I, I know what could happen. Oh, it's not going to happen to us. You know, we're, we're Christians. We went to church on Sunday. Okay, let's just be honest. Okay, you, you go down a slide and try to stop halfway. It's really hard. Just don't climb the steps. Stay away from the slide. That's right. Stay away from the slide. All right? You follow what I'm saying? And it's the man, it's the guy who sets those boundaries. It's the, it's the guy who does. All right? I used to say as a youth pastor, nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing. Nothing good happens. And especially if you're in the back of the car together. Nothing good happens. Okay? So you're the one who says we're not going to have sex before we get married. The man. It's not the woman that's leading that. You're, you're, the man does that. I'm not gonna put my hands on you. 
as a man. I'm just not gonna do it because you're a gift from God. You're still your father's. You're not mine yet. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? And you say, well, that just sounds old school. That's the Bible. Okay, now if you're married, okay, so let's say you're married. How do you lead in the area of your marriage? You're the one that sets the boundaries in the relationship with regards to your kids and your time. As the, as the husband, you're the first one in the car on Sunday to go to church. Your, your wife's not leading you in that. You're the one that's leading the way. You're the one that's taking that step first. You're the one that's starting prayer first. You're the one that's teaching your kids. You're the one that's leading when it comes to how you manage your money. That's how you make a shift in this environment to make sure that we're leading our kids, leading into marriage the right way. And you'll save yourself from a lot of heartache. And, so what did it do? Tell, me, tell and, us what it did. And there, there is a part that we have to play, but our job should be to follow suit, not to try to manipulate and dominate and control. And what has happened, because there has been a leadership void, women have stepped up to lead that, and women are trying to act more like men than they are trying to be women. And you have all these gender confusion things because of situations like that. Because men that weren't leading left this vacancy for whatever to fill the spot. Now, I want to talk to women about this for a second because I realize there are some things that have happened culturally where women were not treated like the gift from God that they are. But that does not give us the right to rise up and act like men. And to be overbearing and loud and crazy and all of these things. Now, it's okay to lead and to be strong, but it does. And, and here's the thing. When, when I say this to women, sometimes they're like, but I'm a leader. I'm this. Listen, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I understand the power that a woman has because we brought down creation. Okay? I'm glad you finally realized that. <laughs> because we weren't being led well. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. We also brought down the strongest man that ever walked on the face of the planet, Samson, because he gave in to sexual temptation because we lured, okay? That is a tendency when a woman doesn't feel powerful, she tries to fake it and she tries to, you know, I am woman, hear me roar. This whole women's lib movement is disgusting. It, it is not lifting up women. What it is doing is it's tearing down men, and it's causing this, this fight between men and women. Mm. I was not called to, to, to try to usurp my husband. I was called alongside of him, and that's where the power is, is where the two of us fight together, and we're hitting the enemy in the jaw. It's because we're standing yeah. together. That's right. Two that's are right. better than one, right? That's right. And so what happens with women, let me tell you, women that are insecure that don't feel powerful, they're posting on Instagram all their bikini pics, because they don't feel powerful and they need something to make them feel powerful. They need that attention. They need those likes. They dress a certain way to try to get the attention that they don't feel like they're getting internally. And it is not okay, ladies. We understand. We understand the power. Guys are very visual. And because we understand that, we often take advantage of that. There are things that nobody needs to see but my husband. 
And if you're a single girl and, and you are desperately wanting a man and you're putting up all these pictures and stuff, listen, if there's blood in the water, the sharks are going to circle. Watch what you're putting out there because you're saying you're a wounded seal. And you're going to have the predators come. Mm. The good ones good. are not going to hit you up on social media. That's right. Okay? That's right. Be very careful what you're posting. Be very careful how you're dressing because it is not okay for us to dress a certain way and disrespect because just like they have been known to treat us like objects, we have been known to act like an object. Hello. Hello. And if we don't want to be tre treated that way, we can't act like yeah. it. Yeah. So we can change the narrative, men. How do we do that? Women are a gift from God. They're a gift. Treat them that way. Now, here's what culture says. Culture says live as you want. Be free from outside influences. Culture says, this is what, this is what culture says about sex, all right? Especially, and this, this involves married people and single people. I can have it with whomever I want to. I can have it whenever I want to and have no consequences. So the norm is, and this is the pressure in a dating relationship. This is what happens when we don't change the narrative, is the pressure in a dating relationship is, hey, well, let's go out. You know, I swiped right, and so, you know, <laughs> let's have sex. You know, let's take the car out for a test drive to make sure we're compatible, okay? There's a lot more that goes into compatibility than just sex. And sex is, is, is called to be in a marriage covenant. And so there's no consequences. Well, if, you know, if I get pregnant, I'll just have an abortion, you know, or uh, there's no relationship. Intimacy are not necessary. So why, why shouldn't I live this way? Okay, let me, let me give you an example. And I wanna, I wanna, I got a couple people. Guys, if you guys could come up here real quick. I have a couple guys that I wanna, <laughs> come on all the way up on the platform yeah, up here. I don't here. know what y'all signed up for. All right. So, um, I want to explain it this way, and I'm just talking to people who are not married for a minute, single people, watching online for a minute. God created us a certain way. Now, the question that I get a lot, we get a lot, is why should I wait? Okay, why should I wait to get married? Let's just, I mean, I can have sex with whoever I want, and it really The Bible says no, me. but why? Yeah, so, but let's, let's know why. So God created our hearts to be sticky, okay? Sticky and this sensitive. This is be good. Sticky and very sensitive. Look at all their right? faces. So, sticky and very sensitive. All right, so let's just pretend um, these guys are all married, but let's just pretend for a second that, and I didn't want to bring a girl up here because that would be a little awkward. Let's just pretend that we have a young lady who's a bit promiscuous. Promis promiscuous? Promiscuous. Promiscuous. <laughs> promiscuous, all right? And these guys are players. <laughs> Player! Play gonna play. So, um, what happens is, God gave us a sticky and a sensitive heart. And so, when we have sex, sex looks like this. Because it's not just the outside, it's also the inside that gets attached. And then, you know, what happens... Just so y'all know, we have to married. do this all the time. It's called waxing. We're just helping you know what we have to go through. <laughs> and so what happens is, is that it, it hurts. And you end up taking into the next relationship a little bit more. Ew. Right into the next relationship. And you're supposed to be sticky, but because you have given your heart to this person, you come to this person and... Your heart is just a little less sticky. Yeah. 
it becomes hard. And then you go to the next person. And it just goes back and forth like this to the point where you really just, you're not even sticky anymore. And when you go into the relationship, you're There's wondering, why is my heart? pieces of everybody on there. Pieces that you're taking pieces of everybody relationally, intimately, emotionally into your marriage. Now, we're going to talk about. So then the, you, you bring this into your marriage. And thanks, you're guys. so thanks, used guys. to going from person to person to person. And then you try to stick to your partner, the one who God did intend for you. And you're wondering why it's not sticking, why things aren't working. It's because you've made a pattern of going from place to place. You've developed this. And now we're, we're not understanding why we're having issues in our marriage. And so God can heal you. So maybe that's your background. God can, here's what, here's what God's promise is. He'll give you a new heart. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? So that's what culture says. Do what you want with whomever you want. But as a Christian, what the Bible says is our personal freedom is found in God's word. That's where our personal freedom is. It says that abstinence before marriage is godly. And the Bible says that fornication, it uses the word fornication over and over and over. What is fornication? Fornication is a big, long word that just means any sex outside of a marriage covenant is wrong. Whether it's before a marriage, whether it's in your marriage and you're going outside of your marriage, any sex outside of the marriage covenant is wrong. There's a word that I wanted to talk about today, and it's the word sanctity. And I, I don't think we really understand what that word means. It means holiness of life and character and godliness. The quality or state of being holy and sacred. We've stopped being holy in our relationships, and we don't understand what that really means. What does it look like to have a holy relationship? It means that we flee sexual immorality. Now, some of you might say, but you don't understand. I was put in this hard situation. It was difficult. The Bible literally says that there is always a door of escape. Yeah, always. Yep. That God always leaves a door of escape for yep. you to get out. It says to flee. And, and the Bible also says that sexual immorality as a Christian should not even be named among us. It shouldn't even be named among us. In 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 18, it says, There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own Bodies, these bodies that were made for God given and God modeled love for becoming one. That's what that is. That, that's the word covenant, where we become one with one another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Here's what I, I want you to understand today. Sex is the sign of a covenant and not a lure to try to get one to commit. 
It is an expression of intimacy and not a means to intimacy. The comprehensive union of marriage means that husband and wives, here's what I want you to understand, are not to withhold any aspect of themselves from one another. Women, typically, they withhold sex when they feel powerless. And men, typically, withhold emotional connection. We're going to talk about that because if you withhold one from the other, you end up in this stalemate and it causes a lot of problems in the marriage. That's right. So, you know, the how many times, if you're married, how many times a week and all of that is a discussion that you have to have with each other in the context of your own relationship. We're not going to tell you like, well, it's this many times and that's normal. And I think that depends on your relationship. However... Sex and is, your age. And your age, yeah. Sex is, is not to be used to manipulate or control. So in the marriage, women withholding, ladies, understand, you have a lot of power. And for men, the physical act without the emotional connection is just as bad. So because we are physically attracted and women are emotionally attracted, we gotta make sure that we, we don't withhold from the other in the, in the bedroom. So we meet each other's needs. That's right. So it comes down to communication. It really does. The communication. Now, we've been married. This is our 30-year wedding anniversary Woo! this year. Woo! High five. High five. And we have to learn. And, and we're still learning. Okay, we're still learning. And we've been married for a long time. We're still learning how and what each other's needs are because it morphs. It evolves over the relationship. You know, the older you get, you got kids. The kids are gone. So now this is a brand new Life for us, because, you know, we have more money now we, with, with no kids in the house. Um, no diapers got, no to diapers. buy, no college to pay for. That's right. All of that's gone now. And so now this is a whole different life. I'm a little nervous, to be honest with you, because there are things I'm sure that I'm going to learn about her, and there are things that she's going to learn about me. How do I do that? Okay, so if you have a lot of baggage, even if you've been married for a long time, get some good counseling. We are... We are we are in favor of that, very much so. But also stay in community. The worst thing that you can do is not be in community. As a couple, go to a life group. Well, I don't like talking about my stuff. Go to a life group. You need to learn how to talk about your stuff. You need to be able to, and life groups are very valuable communities to connect with. Don't isolate yourself. Um, even in your marriage, don't isolate yourself. Just come and go. Get so caught up in your success of your business or the raising of your kids that you lose sight of the importance of this relationship that got you there in the because first place. Because now they're gone. That's right. And if everything was about the kids, and a lot of people do that, the wife tends to throw everything on the relationship with the kids and doing everything. And then the husband tends to, you know, everything's about work. And then when the kids are gone... If you haven't developed and built a relationship, then you're going to have a lot of issues and problems because you never really connected. Um, let me talk to you um, from the aspect of um, dating and then being married. Uh, women who are in a dating relationship, please let me just tell you this. If, if you have to keep giving sex to somebody to get them to like you, You've got to understand that says two things. First, it says something about them, but it also says something about you and probably your relationship with your father. 
because your desperate need for some type of love or affection, and you're mistaking that that's love or affection, mm. and it's not. Amen. It's not. And so if you're going from relationship to relationship, looking, desperately trying to find somebody to love you, that's the wrong way to do it. You're not going to find the right one. And it's not okay to use your sexuality to try to lure somebody in. That's good, yeah. They're not going to love you because you gave them sex, okay? I also want to talk to this from a, a, and let me speak to the men for a second. If you're in a relationship and you're dating somebody and you are asking them to have sex with you, you need to man up. If you can't lead now, you're not going to be a good leader when you're married. You need to put boundaries in and you need to say, and you need to repent and you need to say, hey, we've been doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I now know, and I'm going to be held accountable by God for the way I lead, and I want to start leading you right. Amen. Now, let's talk about the married relationship. I, I want to speak to the, the men for a second, and then I want to talk to the women. Um, men, it is not okay just to have a physical act and withhold yourself emotionally. For your wife to say, I refuse to give you sex, is the exact same thing for you to say to her, I'm not going to connect with you emotionally. They carry the same weight. So understand, when you don't connect with your wife emotionally, it's the same thing if she were to say to you, I don't want to have sex with you. The devastation, men's confidence is tied when they are married, their confidence is tied to the bedroom. When everything is going good in their relationship with their wife, there is a skip in their step, a stride and glide, and and it affects their life. Men, when you say everything's okay and everything's great, what I typically do is I look at the wife's countenance because that will tell me everything I need to know. A wife's countenance will be affected when she is not emotionally being connected with. So what I want you to know is if you are having sex, but you are withholding emotions, then she's an object. So women open up sexually when they feel emotionally connected. Yes. And men open up sexually when they feel physically attracted. Absolutely. So that's the way it works. So real quick, real quick, because we're running out of time. Can you you say, tell, tell the men what is emotionally attractive to women? You know... I used to, in the early days of our marriage, and honestly, I still do some today because it's a lot harder for men to connect emotionally. And I used to ask Troy to open up emotionally a lot, especially when we first got married because he never did that. It just wasn't growing up. He had to suck it up. He was a latchkey kid. And so I remember asking him multiple times just to open up. And he's like, that's weak. I'm not going to do that. Besides, you're emotional enough for both of us. You know, that's what he would say. And I said, you know what, I I think you misunderstood what emotional connection is. When you share with me things that you're going through, walking through, that's called vulnerability, and that is very attractive to a woman. Very attractive. Now, weakness is when we find out stuff that, that you didn't tell us, we just found out through life. That's weakness. But when you share with us and you give us that vulnerability, you are so attractive. Mm, that's good. That's good. So talk about the what happens in spouses when there's a diminishing 
yeah. sexual appetite. So 60% of Christian couples struggle in some type of sexual dysfunction in their marriage. And that's not secular couples. That is Christian couples. And there's several reasons why there's diminished sexual appetite um, in spouses. And one of them is because they have had sexual abuse in their past. And a lot of women, they withhold sexually because it reminds them of an abuse they've experienced. And you need to get into counseling and you need to get healing for that because it's still not okay to withhold because of that. Okay? The second is constantly keeping busy schedules. You just are tired, you're worn out, you're, you're disconnected emotionally. Um, the next one is having trust issues. If you've had trust issues, you've had people hurt you, abandon you, walk away, mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for you to give of yourself like that. Unmitigated pain, pain that you have not resolved in your heart will come out in your sexual relationships. Um, physical issues, um, maybe there's um, some diabetes or maybe there's some type of, you know, previous drug abuse that affects um, uh, your sex drive, but most physical issues are actually rooted in psychological things. Um, and then the last one is having had a sexually promiscuous past. Those things are all issues and problems that occur. And, and here's a great thing. God is a healer, and he can work on all of that. He can get, he can get in, if you allow him. You got to invite him. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman, and he, he wants to be invited into our relationships. So, and when what we've seen with marital tension, there are what are called, I think this guy named uh, Joseph Gramp bought, wrote a book called The Four Horsemen of, of the Apocalypse in Marriage. These are four things that, that cause problems or the predictors of divorce, okay? Contempt, it's a big one. Criticism, constant criticism. These are predictors. Which women tend to do that more than men do that to women. Defensiveness is a big one. And then the fourth is stonewalling, when you just completely shut down. See, there is an emotional difference between women and men, how they open up, how they connect, and it does translate right into the bedroom. And here, here's the, the, the thing you gotta understand is that good sex doesn't start in the bedroom. Come on now. Starts, starts in the kitchen. It's a kitchen. <laughs> That's right. Talking, spending time together. Now, there's all kinds of different sex. You know, there's the quickie. There's all kinds of stuff like that. But for the most part... There's the candlelight weekend. There's, I mean, all, and there's the meat and potatoes kind. That's right. There's the romantic plan ahead Friday afternoon. We're going to meet at 4 o'clock here and all that. But there's all kinds of different... And you, you, as you communicate, you develop that rhythm in your sexual life when you're married um, but the truth is, is that women take a little bit, they take a, take a lot longer to kind of warm up to the sexual act. They're like crock pots. <laughs> Just takes a while. Men, we can be in an argument. Microwave. Bam. <laughs> we can be in an argument and then naked within two seconds. I mean, it's like ready to go. Ready to rock and roll. It's quick. And if we don't understand the emotional differences <laughs> between um, men and women, it can cause this mismatched approach to the act of sex. We can get really angry as women because you didn't take the time. We didn't discuss. And then they can think like, well, I'm ready. Why aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a balance between the two. And so, you know, you're going to have those times where as, as a wife, the husband needs that quick moment. And then husbands, you need to understand 
for, for your wife that you have to, you're going to have to sit down and turn the TV off and spend plan some time a talking weekend. and plan and, and talk. And now we're generalizing here. Not everybody likes, is like that. But the best way is communication, is you're talking. Whenever I see, when we counsel people, we ask them, how's your sex life? Because I can tell a lot about their communication just simply by their sex life. And so they get nervous, like, why are you asking me about that? Well, obviously there's a problem there, or you'd be open about it. Um, so we need to talk about it. And, and it's into shocking this some of the answers we've gotten that are yes. six months ago. Yeah. A year ago. Let me just tell you, if you're in that situation, you should have reached out for help a long time ago. Right. A long time ago. All right. I want to just um, kind of go to uh, some things really quick here. Um, but there, there's two things I want you to understand uh, marriage in marriage and having a healthy sexual relationship. There's two key components to that. The first is, is um, understand the power of touch. Understand, <laughs> understand what it's like to cuddle and snuggle. And one of, my favorite, one of my favorite things for him to do is when he pushes the hair out of my face and he kisses me on my forehead. That is one of the best moments. Or when he puts his cheek to my cheek. Touch. After I've shaved. After you've shaved. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling like the prickly. Touch is a very, very important aspect that you cannot underrate um, the touch, the power of touch, non-sexual touch and affection. Everything isn't, <laughs> let's go baby. Okay? That was for the men. <laughs> the second one is understand how to communicate well understand how to communicate well because communication problems will always show up in the bedroom. Always, 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 always. And I know it's harder for men to communicate how they're feeling, express. And this has been something that we've been very open mm -hmm. about. You sharing your feelings yep. and opening up. Most men struggle with that. What are right. some things that you do to help? Yeah, so, so first of all, you know, we, since we probably five years into our marriage, we started getting counseling. And then ever since then, we still do. Not even, not just when we're doing bad, but also when we're doing good to maintain. So there's, you know, the... the there's the chemotherapy yeah. and then there's the just consistently take your right. vitamins. Just healthy vitamins. And so we do that and we still do that. And so my counselor, one of the things I do is I journal. Um, and I'm not a journaler. So I'm not, I don't like it, but it helps me. And so my particular journal asked me questions about my feelings, and I talk about What's them. What's your journal called so the men can get it? It's called Mind Journal. Mind it's not journal. a Christian journal, but it's, it's just a mind journal. That's what it's called. And it's a great way because it asks you how you feel, and you go through, because I have a hard time describing that, and so it gives me words on how to describe it. And I just go through, and there's like 40 words on there, and every day I go through that. I talk about what I'm grateful for every day. I talk about one thing that I want to accomplish in the day. And then I just write down a few things that I'm thinking about, that I'm going through. Sometimes it's a sentence. Sometimes it's three pages. Uh, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes I just write down a prayer. Prayer is so powerful. And what, my, what I have learned is that, especially in the marriage relationship, is that my goal as the man, as the leader, is to break the strongholds that may have developed from her past or my past. And so my prayer life is extremely important against judgments, against generational curses. And I'm constantly praying because she's got a background, her dad, uh, the lack of her family, all of that. I've got a background. And 
Like it or not, I'm still dealing with that. Sure, I'm saved. Sure, I'm going to heaven. But there are those past soulish issues that we have to deal with residue. on a regular, that residue that we have to deal with. And we have to just constantly get in there with the uh, vacuum cleaner spiritually and start you know, just knocking things out and, and getting rid of that stuff. And so um, here's some questions you can ask yourself. All right, what boundaries should I have in my life? Okay, dating or married? Uh, do I find myself going outside of God's plan? Do I put him first? Is he at the center of my relationship? These are great, great questions to ask yourself. If you're a single girl, is God first? Um, is he my father? Do I understand what it means to have a, a father? If you didn't have one physically, how about you exchange for God? Learn what that looks like. Go through our forward, which is phenomenal in dealing with those past hurts. Do it several times. Uh, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 5, and we need to land this plane, okay? Okay. Uh, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own will. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone. This is talking about boundaries. Never be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice with the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? And so um, I want you just to take a minute and I want you to pray over some of these things that we've talked about and just let's believe God together. Can we do that before we close today and just believe God? Let's, let's, um, just, let's just all close our eyes right where we are and, and just bow our heads. And Father, we just come before you right now. God, we wanna honor you in everything that we do and that includes our sexuality. God, if there's been sexual promiscuity in our past or adultery or if we've had multiple partners or same-sex relationships or we've gone outside of our marriage or outside of marriage in general and we've had sex before we've got married, God, we just ask you right now to show up in our heart, in our life, in our situation. We, we ask for forgiveness for those things. We yeah. ask you to repair our hearts from the times that we gave our hearts away where we shouldn't have. God, we ask you to restore that. God, in, in marriage relationships, we ask you to repair those relationships, any brokenness that has occurred because of that. And God, we ask you right now to help us put your boundaries in place because your boundaries, God, you give your boundaries out of love. And there has been damage that has been caused when we don't do things your way. And God, we're asking you to put the broken pieces back together again. Any sexual patterns that have caused great pain or, or maybe we felt like they're too big to fix. God, we know what your word says. It says we can be a new creation. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation and old things are gone. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Let's just all stand up for a minute. And um, I want to invite, I, you know, when I was praying this morning, when we were kind of getting ready for this. I just felt like that uh, there were some marriages here that, let's be honest, God is not at the center of your relationship. Um, some of you that, that are kind of in the dating scene, and I know it's hard. Listen, I, I can't imagine. When I got saved, I got married pretty close. And I'm thankful. It's hard right now. I know it's difficult but you have an advocate. Um, Jesus is on your side, and he really wants to help you. And I wanna ask you, maybe 
Today's the day where you dedicate your life to Jesus. You really go full in, all in. Let me tell you what he'll do. He'll give you the strength to overcome all of those temptations. You're gonna be tempted, it's gonna happen. But he'll give you strength. That's what God's grace is for. It's the empowerment to walk out the word of God. If we choose to follow it, he'll give you the power to do it. And so I wanna invite you, so just close your eyes one more time, even watching online. And maybe uh, you as a married couple, you know that God's not the center of your life. Let's make him the center of our life. If that's you, if you know in your marriage right now, I wanna ask you, just, just, just put your hand up. I wanna pray for you. You say, you know, God's not the center of my marriage. Keep your hand up. If you're a single person and you know God is not the center of your life, your relationship, and you want to start that today, would you, would you just raise your hand as well? Just like Penny said, he says, for any man who is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. So I want you to make this confession over your marriage, over your life, and we're just gonna make a God-centered confession. If you're dating, if you're single, I want you to make this confession. Everybody say this with me, that raise your hand. And let's church join with them. Say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father today, today I make a conscious decision. I make a, decision. I make a spiritual decision to put you, God, at the center of my life, the center of my relationships, the center of my future. Thank you for the word of God that it works in me, that it'll work through me. Jesus, thank you for the power, the resurrection power. Thank you, God, for giving me the grace of God, your grace, your empowerment to walk out your plan and your word in my life, in Jesus' name. Let's all just take a second, lift our hands to heaven. Father, we're so grateful for your presence. Just let his presence come over you. Let the Holy Spirit fill you, fill your relationship. If you're married, just grab hands with your spouse right now. Just grab hands. Father, I thank you for a fresh infilling of, of freedom, of love, of joy, of romance. Father, thank you for increase sexually. God, I thank you for just a revival in the bedroom, revival in communication. Father, I pray for every person who's single, God. And Father, I pray that your grace, your love, I pray for those young ladies who are in search of a father. God, I pray that you would become that father in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. We love y'all. Love you. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.